Construct with Clark and Alyssa. I don't know how, but so many of our podcasts start with one of us singing. Have you noticed that? I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, once you get to know both of us, that makes a decent amount of sense. I break out in song a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You're my Disney princess. I um so I feel what, like you'd resent that comparison. <laughs> um uh, There are worse things to be called. That's true. That's true. I uh met some friends in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago and and my friend's husband who I this was my first time meeting him was asking me, "Well, what kind of music do you like?" And, then, <laughs> and I sort of struggled coming up with some stuff because I've recently have just been listening to my podcast, my my um not your pod, my, not this podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm not entirely self-centered. Um, you only have like an episode every 2 weeks. So there's not that much to I just listen to, to it on on repeat. I love it so much. It's my favorite podcast. <laughs> I've been listening to my iPod just on shuffle, so I haven't really been paying that close of attention. But nice, like yeah. my i my iPod is like thirty gigs of music that I love already curated, so I don't have to think about it. It's just like I just get random music that I love all the time. Yeah, totally. And so he was asking me, "Well, what, what do you what do you listen to?" Um, and I sort of kind of gave him a blank look as I'm <laughs> trying to think of this, and he was like, "Well, I mean." I get kind of a Disney vibe from you. <laughs> also a little bit of musicals. Am I right there? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. A lot of that. I've been listening to a lot of musicals recently. You know what they say? Uh, real recognizes real. <laughs> <laughs> he saw one of his own. Well, he We played this game. Oh, what was it called? Uh, maybe Nonsense? not really sure um and it's horribly racist it was terrible <laughs> but very offensive uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but um it was a card game where you had one deck that was accents or way to say something and then the other deck was just like funny phrases and sometimes really offensive phrases <laughs> and you had to go around the table and like a card would be drawn to say something in an italian accent to say something in an irish accent whatever and then you drew a card and you had to see who around the table said this thing the best way <laughs> uh, like who who was best at that uh-huh. new york accent um and there was one card that was singing and i was there was a bunch of music teachers oh no but it came to me and i sang mine sort of uh musical theatery of like telling a story <laughs> like uh-huh. my my i i still remember it because apparently i enjoyed it <laughs> of um i'm loving your popcorn ceiling marvin <laughs> even your double crown molding <laughs> <laughs> musical we're talking is this oklahoma What's no it here? was that was <laughs> what i had to say those words <laughs> on the card and i had to sing it and so that was how uh, i sang it rather than good. like operatic or whatever yeah. and he was like well based on how you treated that in that game i'm imagining you like musical theater <laughs> like, <laughs> you would be imagining correctly sir <laughs> that would be uh what is it rogers and hammerstein what is the those two jewish composers that would make lots of songs like that uh, rogers and no. rogers and hammerstein were yeah. were a composing pair <clears throat> 
Yeah, they did um, Cinderella. Okay, okay. They're a little more... Uh, I think they also did The Sound of Music. Really? So they're, they're kind of a little more like the sweeping orchestral. Huh. I think I think what I saying is sort of... I don't know who the composers are, but similar to... Um, the Putnam County Spelling Bee, yeah. 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedic musical theater. <laughs> well, I guess we're not really here to talk about all of this stuff. No. Even though I really like talking about all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we're here to talk about um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, right? That's, that's right. That's what we're on. That's right. We're on. We're talking about chapters five and six today, starting with chapter five, right? Should we get into it? Are you ready? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do you want to sing the name of it or anything? The Dementor. That's (laughs) a terrible interpretation. The Dementor needs a more sinister. It does. Um, Yeah, so in The Dementor, Harry and the trio come face to face with the Dementor on the Hogwarts Express and are helped by a new professor. Harry faints, and everyone in Hogwarts, including the professors, are on edge. Bum, 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 bum. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I always say this for every chapter, but a lot happens in this chapter. <laughs> I'm waiting for the chapter when not a lot happens. <laughs> I feel like there is one in the last book where I'm like, do we have to talk about this chapter? You said that, and then the we f- talked for like 45 minutes yeah, about that's a, it. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, so, so in this chapter, though, we go from Diagon Alley and and the Leaky Cauldron to mm. King's Cross Station and get on the Hogwarts Express and mm. travel all the way to Hogwarts. All the way. So we've got like a full day's worth of events, and you're sort of familiarizing, refamiliarizing with the way you get to Hogwarts and what that looks like. But they took a different route to the train station this mm. time last. Last time, last time they had cars from the ministry from the borough, mm-hmm. and they had to keep going back for things. Yeah, yeah. And this time they also had cars from the ministry from from the. And I, I thought they took the flying car last time. They they took the flying car from. But they drove it to the station. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. It was it was like they magic to, to be super big so they would all fit. Yeah. And then everybody else got through the crossing except for Harry and Ron, so they had to take the car and actually fly it. Et cetera, et cetera. Whomping Willow. Suddenly Voldemort, now we're all caught up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Book three. Everyone is Voldemort. <laughs> Sirius Black is either Voldemort or Harry's dad. Either way. We are we are Interesting met theories. with an ominous warning by Mr. Weasley before Harry gets on the Hogwarts Express. And and it's a warning. Okay, so Mr. Weasley, as we found out in the last couple chapters, he's really not supposed to say a lot of these things to Harry, like warning him, stuff like that, telling anybody really about the seriousness of the serious black whew, uh, thing. Welcome so. <laughs> to the greatest struggle of Harry Potter. Serious. Using the word serious. 
<laughs> I'm so glad you now know about this. It's, it's <laughs> interesting. It leads to some tongue twisters. But fortunately, Harry was expositioned in, into overhearing the conversation, so Mr. Weasley didn't have to say it all over again, which was tidy, I will say. Um, Especially after all that exposition. We didn't want it any. We didn't want it a second yeah, time. It's like, thank, thank you, Harry, for being like, no, 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 we're good. And Mr. Don't Weasley's tell me like, again. No, There's please. No need. Let me explain. And Harry's like, nope, no, thank you. <laughs> That made me very happy. Good. I'm all caught up. All caught up. In fact, you should stop talking in order to keep your vow. Thank you. And uh, yeah, but Mr. Weasley does add on, uh, don't go looking for Sirius Black, no matter what you hear, which leads me to believe that we are going to hear something that perhaps leads Harry to believe that Sirius is some type of ally, a Harry sympathizer, perhaps his father, or maybe just someone who knew his parents was familiar with his parents um i'm trying to think of what would draw harry out really like what would draw him to pursue someone and just about the only thing i can think of is knows something about his family um or i mean i don't know that's the only thing i could really see driving harry to that level but we'll see yeah i don't i don't really know how how mr weasley could really be concerned that Harry would consider Sirius Black an ally because he killed 13 people. Yeah, but even like enemy of my enemy is my friend type thing where it's like Harry knows he's evil, but Harry also might think that he's the one person he can go to to get information that Hogwarts or Dumbledore or whatever is holding out on him. Stuff Maybe like that. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, that's kind of my view where it's like there's a lot of things that just nobody tells Harry and nobody's going out of their way to tell Harry. So if Sirius had a piece of information like that uh, or had even anything that would allow Harry to do that, I think that could lead Harry to, to branch off and go chase it. So kind of a weird warning made my mind kind of go thinking about like, why would Harry and even Harry is like, why would I do that? He's trying to kill me. Do you, do you think Harry's inclined to like, maybe not right the second, but do you think he has a nature to go look for a serious black type i think the foreshadowing is strong in this one i i think you know why why bring it up if it's not gonna well, does he have a proclivity towards it eh, kind of i'm just i'm just trying to think of like why like what sort of character does mr weasley actually think harry has does he think that Harry's gone looking for trouble? Because we we know because we're we've been pretty close to Harry's mind mm-hmm. in this that like he's felt forced to deal with the situation because no one else is really dealing with it. Yeah. Or at least from how he can tell, no one else is really dealing with it. And so but I'm not sure Mr. Weasley really understands that. I'm not sure he like in in the chamber of secrets situation harry tried to bring an adult who knew something with him and mm-hmm. turns out that adult knew absolutely nothing and now knows even less yeah <laughs> and, made things even worse yeah and in in the philosopher's stone he didn't really know how to trust adults yet at all yeah and he thought that the the adult actually like committing the treason or whatever however you want to say it betraying everyone um had just fooled everyone and he even tried to go to an adult then too and so it's like if only mr weasley knew like 
I go I go to adults and they brush me aside and yeah. I don't feel like the situation's being handled. So I'm gonna go handle it. <laughs> so because the situation needs handled. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I the ends have to justify the means at some point, right? Yeah. And, yeah, I get that. I kind of see it in the same way as Mr. Weasley might think that Harry believes that he's phased Voldemort twice and came out okay. The serious guy can't be that bad. Like, eh, whatever. We've taken on Voldemort twice and it, you know, it sucked, but it worked out. We can take on this guy. He's just, he just killed some people. He's not like Voldemort where he was this like grand scheming guy who killed a bunch of people. It's like, nah, this guy's small potatoes. Let's go get him. Let's have some fun. I don't know. Either way, it kind of was a smaller part of the chapter. They kind of shoved it aside and they got right on the train and started heading. I mean, I think it's an important warning, but I think the book is like, hey, here's this warning. Anyway, this train. Oh, man, look at all these butter cakes. Let's talk about Hogsmeade and all the candies there. Let's exposition the crap out of that Hogsmeade. <laughs> it's going to be great. They had some fun moments, you know. They had Ron talking over Hermione. They had all this fun stuff. Sorry if I stepped on your favorite quote. I didn't check what page that was on. but um, No, I'm, I, you did not. Good deal. you kidding good me? You think I'd pick exposition? <laughs> it's She's getting better at it. And there's some little hints of... Um, it was it was really a lot cleaner than it could have been yeah totally yeah but it it was still like ooh, did you know that this is like the only all <laughs> magic settlement in all of england as you know bob they have quite the candy shop <laughs> let's discuss what we know about this candy shop pepper pips did you know that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, they make you smoke in the ears <laughs> That sounds fun, I guess. It sounds exactly like the kind of candy a 13-year-old boy would want to try. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was reading through all of... Pepper Imps, I think that's what it was. Imps, yeah, that's what it is. Um, and all of the list of them, I was like, <laughs> about one of these sounds actually tasty. Yeah. And all the rest of them sound like things that a 13-year-old kid would 100% want to try. So Even just a sugar quill. So it looks like you're thinking in class, but really it's just... Straight sugar. Yeah, I'm like, just mm, candy. Straight sugar. <laughs> uh, let's talk a bit about Professor Lupin. Yeah. That guy. That that trashy looking dude sleeping on the... He, he's that guy in the subway that sprawls and takes up two seats and you'd want to wake him up. But at the same time, you're like, oh, but he looks so tired. <laughs> like, he looks like he's really had a tough day. <laughs> yeah, let's just... Let's let him do that. My... The question I had, because like all of the description, he looks really shabby and tired, and mm-hmm. even his like suitcase looks run down, and like his name of Professor R. J. Lupin is peeling off of the mm. the suitcase, and that made me wonder: is this is he a has, he, has was he a professor before somewhere else? Oh, if it's peeling good off, question. Hmm. Hmm. I did, that is indeed a good question. And where would he? be a professor is he someone no, i think his father's a professor and he inherited it and he's a junior that's my guess <laughs> oh that's an interesting theory yeah, he's a junior parents you know teachers around in the family it's probably or maybe even his Grandpa. grandfather yeah. yeah who knows man if only they could repair old looking stuff and refurnish it with some sort of force yeah, if only, like, I mean, it could be just, like, magic. Yeah, right? Oh, wouldn't it be so handy if you could, you know, <laughs> darn stuff and so you wouldn't have to, you know, put patches in. Well, he does, He his robes were darned. Yeah. It, it said that, which I thought, wow. Like, 
it takes some old school dedication to patch that. Remember that when people fixed clothes? Rather than <laughs> remember <throwing> that? <laughs> I don't Simpler really remember times. that because I do remember it from when I was a camp counselor and that yeah. was all that I had. There was no way to like get anything else. So I had to fix my stuff. Yeah. It's weird. That that's changed so much even just in the last twenty years, thirty years. Mm-hmm. Definitely fifty years. Time was. Anyway. Uh so uh Lupin. What what's your impression of this Professor Lupin? He's a scrappy dog. He's he's seen some things. Uh, I mean I I like him. He seems fine. He seems kind. He seems to have a good sense of humor. He seems to know what he's doing. He's probably Voldemort. Do you think he's up to the task? He's probably Voldemort. So yeah, I mean Voldemort knows a thing or two about <laughs> dark arts okay who is voldemort in this situation everybody you already said serious i am so paranoid off of the first two books like (laughs) who knows who knows what lupin's hiding underneath that hair you know like who knows these days it's it's a buck beak for all we know could be voldemort he probably eats unicorn blood and drinks it and retains his health Mm. by the way okay so That's so sad unicorn frappes i think we may have talked about it i tweeted about episode. it yeah <laughs> so unicorn frappes so many people are like oh voldemort voldemort would drink these and i'm like yeah because remember he drank the unicorn blood in the first book and then i'm like wait a second there's something else with unicorns isn't there <laughs> so in my mind right now voldemort is like Either one of these people or one of these people is his ambassadors, but somewhere he's just has a unicorn farm. Taking he's just another going run to town. of them unicorns. Oh, he's just going unicorn crazy. And uh, yeah, so in my mind, he's doubling down on the unicorn angle. Uh, the centaurs are probably real upset about it. Bicorn? Doubling down. <laughs> the markets are in a good place to buy corn. So anyway. Um, <laughs> God, that's terrible. Yeah, it's all pretty bad. <laughs> oh, you took my terrible joke and made it even worse. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I don't I don't think this guy's really Voldemort though. I think Lupin's um he's just some guy. I mean I don't I don't know what to think of him. He seems alright. Why I, why why so tired? He probably, you know, ran Hogwarts. I, I think he's probably coming back from a different country, different place. I kind of have him in my mind like the Eddie Redmayne type character where he's just running around doing all sorts of stuff. Like he's he's out and about and he's getting dirty and scratched up and he's always on adventures and he probably timed it as close as he could to Hogwarts and being like, oh, I'll just sleep on the train. <laughs> like, because that's just the type of guy he is, you know? He's just always kind of out doing stuff and he kind of picked up his knowledge of the dark arts just out doing stuff. He's pretty much what Gilderoy Lockhart wishes he was Mm. and what Gilderoy Lockhart claimed to be I think this guy pretty much is that he just doesn't carry the same ego he just goes and does things but he's not trying to prove it to anybody so that's kind of my view of this guy I like this picture you're painting I want to know this guy similarly to how I want to know Newt's commander I want to know this Lupin I want him to show me and uh, he can cast spells without saying anything so he's good at magic Oh, yeah, he started to fire in his hands without saying a word. Oh, yeah, that. Yep, that's a good indicator. That's, he's, and my favorite thing, I can now reference this for all time, mm. that he, like, pushes chocolate 
Like it is <laughs> the number one panacea in this world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. This man gets me. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a loop, right? You'll feel better. <laughs> nope. Eat. Seriously. And he comes back. It's not poison. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. And then like, I love the description of like, Harry takes a bite and like, extraordinarily, he feels like warmth. So there is like some magic to it. Oh, as yeah, well. certainly. Yeah. It's not just chocolate is chocolate and wonderful but i do love that like jk rowling picked chocolate oh yeah she could have <laughs> picked anything she could have picked pumpkin juice nope chocolate yep and it made for a great visual too you know it it was it was a good moment um i liked that they <laughs> he almost got to know lupin even though he was unconscious and asleep for part of it but they still somehow built up his character where it's like <sighs> You already kind of got to see like Malfoy's reaction to seeing him being like, who is that guy? You know, because clearly, you know, he's darned up. He's using his grandpa's briefcase, all this stuff. Way too old to be a student. Way too old to be a student. So we already know how Malfoy is going to interact with this guy. We already know how Harry and Hermione and stuff like we learn a lot about this guy while he's asleep. And I think that's the writing is just getting better and better and better every mm-hmm. chapter, honestly. Um. But then come the Dementors before Lupin is fully awake, right? I think Lupin kind of wakes up as the Dementors are... Yes. Yeah. But we only see one Dementor, which is why the chapter is the Dementor and not the Dementors, which kind of bothered me for some reason. Um, so can I breach the topic of Dementors being ringwraiths? Can we talk about that? Okay, so... You know what a ring wraith is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings. They uh, ride the Nazgul, or they are the Nazgul. They ride the Nazgul. Boy, I forget this. Anyway, <clears throat> they're the things that are pursuing the ring, and they can sense where it is, and then they can sense it even more if the person's wearing it, and they don't hunger or thirst, and they are very powerful. And you know how they became wraiths? Uh, they were overwhelmed with... No, you should tell me. No, they they were the... I thought they were humans first. Nine? Hang on. Do you have a... Three rings for elven kings under the sky. Five for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord in his dark throne. I think that's... Okay. Yes. So they're anyway, mortal men. Um, there, there are nine... Yeah, there are nine ring wraiths. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, So there are nine kings who were all given rings by Sauron when they thought that Sauron was an ally and those rings were then controlled. The people who wore them were oh, controlled yeah. by Sauron yeah. and the elves were able to sort of use that power for good. The dwarves succumbed but not as severely as the men mm-hmm. and the men became just tools of Sauron. Yeah, And so, yeah, um, if they are, if if Dementors are ring wraiths, they have to have rings, first of all, mm-hmm. and they have to be controlled by the Dark Lord. I'm not above this. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not, <laughs> but. So that's, like, that's your argument against them being ring wraiths. No, I'm not arguing against. <laughs> I'm just saying like, know what you're proposing before oh, okay. you propose it. Can I just say they look and act exactly like them? They are very similar. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. 
Like we see like the sort of gray, slimy, scouty. Yeah, man. we totally do. Yeah. And I don't think that ring wraiths have the same sort of like scabbed over flesh. Oh, I guess do we ever see their flesh? Hmm. I hmm. think they're like fully covered. Somewhere, so I don't know. Somewhere a listener is like, Rah! I know. <laughs> Freaking out. <laughs> At least Alyssa knows what she's talking about. Take take solace in that. I I uh will admit that it's been a long time since I've read Lord of the Rings. Mm. Anyway, so the ring wraiths come into the train stop the train suddenly well not suddenly but they they pretty Pretty, much pretty suddenly it's it's and they're confused uh, the kids because they're like we should be getting close we shouldn't be there yet though why are we stopping and and they like freeze the air around them and all the lights go out and stuff and it's like this seems entirely unnecessary and then there's a very comical like just dialogue description of what the heck is going on in the dark which is uh felt a little juvenile but i was okay with it at the same time yeah, it's a kid's book but yeah. neville neville sits on crookshanks and then her mind he's like oh, no, no, and then she runs into Ginny, and it's just yeah total uh yeah when when it goes dark you shouldn't be like wandering around right like you know it's gonna be okay why are you why do you decide that's the point at which you're gonna change cars hermione's gone her mind but it seems like everyone tried to change cars. Yeah, it was yeah. like, the, this is, why is everybody now coming to this compartment? <laughs> kids, are, kids are stupid, man. I don't know. <laughs> but Lupin wakes up, puts his light, Dementor, ba 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 I need a better Dementor sound than that. <clears throat> How about, um, that'll do. Uh, I'll, I'll make something fancy out of that, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's how i imagine them sounding um and and yeah professor lupin like the the dementor seems to like linger for a while and then lupin basically tells them to go by saying i don't think any of us are hiding serious black in our cloaks yeah. so you can go yeah he's like yeah you saw us all right you can, can leave now and then he did something with his wand with a little uh, silver little mm-hmm. butterfly came out wonder what that's all about Butterfly? I don't think it was a butterfly. No, it wasn't a butterfly. <laughs> I like that you're checking your book anyway. I'm like, what? Definitely not a I butterfly. I think it was just something silvery. Something silvery. Uh, if he does counterspells to Dementors, this guy's uh, <clears throat> probably serious black. <laughs> no, no, it's a, that does seem like a pretty... That's why his name's peeling off. <laughs> <laughs> he just put it on really quickly to cover up the serious black type. He can, he can repel a Dementor... But he can't actually get the 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 name decals to stick on his he has luggage. Some pretty glaring blind spots as a wizard. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it seems pretty impressive that he can do something to disincentivize a Dementor. But anyway, Dementor's uh, now you're looking it up. The Dementor straight knocked Harry out. Everybody else got all like clammy and oh, it's described. And a, and a silvery thing shot out of his wand at it. That was all. Yeah. A silvery thing. Butterfly. I was like looking at the scene. I'm like, why? And I'm like, oh yeah, Harry passed out. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I don't see Lupin actually say this. But that does lead me to, okay, I feel like I need to talk about, I don't know if this is in the notes, but Harry passed out, mm-hmm. right? And then Malfoy, everybody's making a huge deal out of it. And it becomes a huge deal and it continues to be a huge deal by Harry getting teased by everybody in Slytherin and Malfoy and all that. 
But like in my mind, that seems like a totally normal thing to do in this type of situation. Like the fact that more people faint is kind of crazy to me. The more people didn't faint, you know, it's like, I feel like everybody should understand like, oh yeah, dementors. Those things are really freaky. I could see why some people might faint if they're just kind of ex- not really expecting that and they've had a stressful day and they're on the train and all of a sudden dementor and they pass out. Like, it's that kind of seems like an obvious thing to me. Like, you see people pass out on roller coasters and it's like, yeah, of course they do. Yeah. Okay. So just because something is a normal reaction doesn't mean the mob mentality of a bunch of teenagers won't mm-hmm. seize on that. Yeah. Like, I... I have to, like, there's the fact that, what was it, Fred and George, who were saying, like, uh, yeah, he was totally not okay with it. Like, he was freaking out and crying and all this stuff. I think Malfoy is teasing him and perpetuating this from a place of no one can know my weakness. And so let's focus all of that on Harry Potter. That makes sense. It's, I, I don't think, I mean, Ron and Hermione are concerned because they saw it. Mm-hmm. And and people are concerned because they care about him, and none of them reacted that way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but Ginny reacted pretty severely. Oh yeah, and then Madame Pomfrey did say like, "Yep, he won't be the last one to pass out. That's for sure." Yeah, like, and so I yeah. I I'm not I don't think the issue is that Harry passed out and no one else did. The issue is that Harry passed out, and the person who is his number one rival and bully. Hmm. Also reacted poorly, and so he's going to try to deflect any yeah. any public uh, shaming. It's just such a shame. Like, Harry has so many trump cards he could pull in this situation and be like, yeah, I passed out. Remember the last time I passed out? After pulling a giant basilisk fang out of my arm and shoving it into the heart of Voldemort? Yeah, I remember that. Anyway, what were you good saying? Good times. Yeah, good times. <laughs> what, were you, what were you talking about, Malfoy? Oh, oh yeah, the time before that, when I killed Voldemort the first time. <laughs> and I passed out and again. And I passed out again because he touched me and it pretty much killed him. Oh, but that yeah. wasn't even the first time, oh, though. Oh, no, because I passed yeah. out when I was a baby and I killed him that time, too. Ooh, anyway, Malfoy. Awkward. Oh, man, me passing out. Let's talk We're more about that. We're just lucky that I didn't kill the Dark Lord again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, last time I passed out, I killed the Dark did Lord. I, did, can someone check me on that? <laughs> did I? Wait, did I kill the Has Dark Lord? Has anyone seen Voldemort recently? Oh, by the way, I said Voldemort. Oh, yeah, I can did say you that. I totally saw you Because I killed him. Great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we never get we never get that sweet payoff even though the whole time i'm like malfoy he could end you so easily but harry's not the type yeah i think part of it is like harry was not raised in an environment to learn that sort of sass like he's he's a level of sass but he's not the like um excuse me like let me pull out my Mm -hmm. resume of the hand clap emoji on twitter yeah (laughs) i killed the dark lord twice I think it counts as three times now. Three times. What is that called? The clapback? I think it's called the clapback. Sure. Yeah. When <laughs> when someone like makes an argument at you and you do the clapback where there's a clap between every word, it's extreme sass. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anyway, Dementors, Harry Faints, Chocolate Fixes It, Go Loop, and Yay. Yay. They end up at Hogwarts. Where there are carriages drawn by supposedly invisible horses. Which is such a bad idea. <laughs> what's wrong with visible horses? First of all, what's wrong with visible horses? Like, 
nothing. Making the horses invisible does nothing but make your life worse. There is no benefit to invisible horses. Well, but what if they're naturally occurring? What? Naturally occurring invisible horses? (laughs) Breed that out of them. You wouldn't know. You've never seen them. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say find those. Breed them out of them. Breed that out of them because that is useless. And um, yeah, yeah. You're trying to think of some way that it's not useless. Invi- but it's invisibility useless. cloak on invisible horse. Mm, invis- Cover many leagues invisibly. <laughs> Just make an invisible saddle and you can still find your horse. <laughs> and still clean your horse's hooves. Can you imagine? You'd have to just like. Every time you're going to like do anything with the horse, you just have to get a bag of flour out and a giant sifter and just like, all right, where are you? And you kind of sift the flour over it. All right, let's get to it. It's just, it's a hassle. It is a hassle. But it's a, it makes for a cute little charming intro to Hogwarts. And uh, remember, we didn't get to see how the kids get from the train to Hogwarts if mm. they're not first years. Last, yeah. last book. And so that was good to learn. This is what it looks like now. It just gets cheesier, kids. It just gets cheesier. Harry and Ron are surprisingly not even really impressed by it or even Hmm. like, I I mean, I guess they were probably ferried back to the train with that at the end of each school year. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't seem to. I mean, he's like, yeah, curious about it. Probably but invisible horses. I, I guess I just realized they have to get back to the train on the way at the, at the end of each school year. And so that's probably probably guess, not a new form of transportation for them. I guess I didn't think about it that much. By, by like fifth year, they're all going to be taking hippogriffs. And they're all going to be like, welcome to Hogwarts. Here's your sword. Here's your hippogriff. And they just like fly in with swords because they just need to keep one upping it every year. Right. I don't I don't think that's the situation, though. I think Harry and Ron, they they didn't take the normal mode of transportation last year. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's what you were. That's what I'm saying. They they arrived late because they drove the car. Yeah. Whomping Willow. But Hermione took that route mm. probably last year mm. so anyway um and professor mcgonagall intercepts them when they enter hogwarts and and they like go by dementors stationed at the Ugh. at the gates which is super creepy and mm. harry like has a little like like keep keep the nausea in yeah uh reaction but um professor mcgonagall intercepts them in the great hall and like brings them up to her office but leaves Ron behind. But leaves Ron behind. Because screw that guy. Because he did not have an extreme reaction to a Dementor and didn't need to talk to... Yeah. What do you think McGonagall talked to Hermione about? <laughs> is, that, is that the question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how to figure out her little time rewinder Doctor Strange contraption. Mm. She's got to have a Doctor Strange time winder back contraption hourglass thingy. To uh, full disclosure, never saw Doctor Strange. Oh, um, he builds a contraption where he can just like do 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 and go back and like rewind just by like thirty seconds. But she has that, but for like an hour, where she's like, "Great, I got done with this class. Oh, it's ten o'clock again. Now I go to this other class in a different place." That's like, what else could it be? She just has some little time thing, and which it's it's got to be something like that. Which kind of annoys me because 
there's this whole narrative that McGonagall is very strict. We hear about it literally every single book. McGonagall is very strict. Yet we are shown nothing but McGonagall giving second chances and breaks and kind of violating rules and buying Harry Potter stuff and working with Hermione to do this whatever thing that's totally not normal. Like, how how strict is she really? Like, Snape is strict. Like, the, the um, groundskeeper with the cat, he is strict. McGonagall, meh, meh. She's shrill, I guess. I... Mm. I think strict might be the wrong word for her. I think stern. Oh yeah, she's stern for sure. And and I and I agree. She's described as strict, and I'm not sure that we've gotten the payoff on that. Yeah. But I would say that she's stern. Just okay. look at how she like dresses down Ron of like, yeah, you're not coming with me. Like, yeah, go okay. to the feast. <laughs> compromise its turn for sure. Oh, by the way, it's sad that they missed the the sorting ceremony. Good to see Ginny and stuff sorted out. Well, we we missed that in the second book. Oh yeah. So we haven't seen a here. sorting, like we we saw the end of it through the window. Oh yeah. So now we're just kind of past sorting head. I, I feel like this was essentially Joanne's way of saying like, okay, we you know what you know that that happens. They missed it. Oh well. You don't need to know it. You don't. Yeah. We're not going to do this whole thing all over again, uh, which is good. They don't need to. They already did. I mean, they did a great feast. Uh, Dumbledore had a very different tone this time around. He didn't start off with like, let me say something, you know, I have a word for you. And then he's just like, nitwit. Nitwit. Yeah. Nope. This time it was way more sad and blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty much the end of the chapter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there is one moment where Snape. Oh yeah. When, when, when Dumbledore introduces Professor Lupin, Mm -hmm. Snape like gives Harry or gives Lupin this really like intense look that Harry's like, Ooh, that's a look I recognize as the look Snape gives me of like hatred. Mm. And I was like, what, 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 what's that all about? Clark? What's that about? What's Snape looking at Harry with hatred at Lupin? with uh, hatred. Lupin. Well, it's just, it's jealousy and he's probably mm. suspicious. And I, I mean, he's paid his dues. He's like, you're Voldemort somehow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly he's like haven't figured it out yet they're always there's always something wrong with him uh he just really likes that defense against the dark arts <laughs> it's a it's natural fit i don't know i mean from snape's position like this is a really hard position to fill the defense against the dark arts it would take someone that you know dumbledore trusts quite a bit like snape is the best candidate period there are lots of wizards that know potions like potions i'm sure it takes a lot of skill and a lot of effort and stuff like that and snape's also good at that but like that seems like mm, i don't know it seems like one of like the higher level mathematics things where it's like there are there's a whole community of people who are very good at potions and that doesn't make it easy it's in fact incredibly complicated but there are whole communities of people like that whereas like defense against the dark arts that's kind of a rare breed like that's that's a very specific skill set that's very hard to fill so it's like it it, ma- it would make more sense to put snape in that position and then have somebody else fill potions but this lupin guy must really have something going for him i don't know why but mm-hmm. i have always understood that the potions position is like 
almost on a different ladder from every other professor position. Like in terms of difficulty or? I think difficulty, also prestige. Um, and I, th- I think, honestly, the reason that I have thought this is that when we are first introduced to Snape, it is in a chapter called The Potions Master. And uh, from yeah. then on, he's not the potions professor. He's the potions master. Hmm. And like, and I don't know if that's in canon or if that's just in discussion and if that's like in fan fiction and all that, just the, that's how the community refers to Snape. But he is always the potions master and no one else is ever the subject master of anything else. And hmm. so that has elevated potions on like a, as like top rung on a completely separate ladder hmm. from anything else. And so that's why it has always been sort of odd to me that like that, that seems like a really difficult and prestigious skill. Hmm. And the fact that he wants to do defense against the dark arts, like that speaks to a love and a passion and whatever, but it also speaks to a, a desire to not be in whatever weirdly isolated yet prestigious position that he's in. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. No, I no, just, that yeah. just occurred to me is like, we never talk about McGonagall as the, the like Dude. transfiguration mistress or master mm. or professor Flitwick as the charms master. He is the charms professor. Yeah. So maybe, uh, Maybe master is just like Snape went to two more years of college and now he demands that everyone calls him master instead of... But you you, know. you would think that if he went to two more years of college for potions, it would be because you wanted to go to potion. Like you wanted to do potions. That's true. But then why not become the potions doctor if you if you really want to? <laughs> doctor? Doctor. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that whole thing is weird. We'll figure out. I mean, it seems like just straight up jealousy, probably suspicion, whatever. Um, and kind of going back to why does he glare at Harry Potter? Why why is this man so full of hate? Is is kind of the final question in my mind. Like what? Who who hurt you, Snapey? Who hurt you? Was it your parents naming you Snape? Because uh, that's, that's his surname, oh. Severus. Oh, is, even worse. Is that why you're so bitter, <laughs> Snape? Hmm. I mean, he's he's friends with a dude named Albus, another dude, and he's not friends with them, but he knows a dude named Hagrid. It's it's just not a community that names people well. That's true. Yeah, Great Britain. Anyway, so that's the end of the chapter, and uh, <laughs> you're going to throw a book at me. So we're on to Favorite chapter... quotes. Favorite quotes. We're on to favorite <laughs> quotes. That's what I was going to say. Right. Yeah, you go first. Yay. Okay. Um, my, f- my favorite quote was on 83. If I can find it. Mm-hmm. I like, for real, my spine in my book is probably going to break. I saw that this. on our Instagram. It's Wordstruck so. Podcast. At Wordstruck Pod? Wordstruck Pod, I think. On Instagram. Uh-huh. That one? Yeah. It's out there. <clears throat> Okay, so my my favorite quote was uh, the re- Harry's uh, perception of the Dementor. So, an intense cold swept over them all. Harry felt his own breath catch in his chest. The cold went deeper than his skin. 
It was inside his chest. It was inside his very heart. And I just sort of liked, um, sort of similarly to when Harry first hears the basilisk. Mm. Um, except for I feel like this doubled down on your critique where you said like, this was a scary voice, basically, was how that sounded. Yeah. It, it was a sort of demand to show, not tell. And this, I felt like, did a much better do- job of showing rather than telling. This, like, cold seeping into him. It is similar to that quote. I remember you really, that quote was really effective for you last book. Mm-hmm. And for really me, I'm just it. like, uh-huh. But this one was written definitely better it was and it like <laughs> i'll give you that it, it felt very similar to that moment but like i remembered your critique critique and i completely agree that yeah she was showing not telling and even though it worked for me it was still showing not telling and there was probably a way to do it more, like with more impact and something like this is how you do that mm-hmm. and so i feel like yay joanne's learning she is and there are so many little moments in this chapter where i'm like this this is good. Mm-hmm. You came back to this, and you did this a little bit better this time around. Was there, more, t- was there more time between the second book and the third book? Um, I'm not sure writing-wise. Hmm. I think probably. I think there was more time with editors between, okay. the, between the second book and the third book, because... Um, you know, generally you write your first book and then that's when you start querying agents and asking people, hey, pick this up. And so mm-hmm. they work with you on that first book, but it's like they're not there from the start on the first book. And so then yeah. the second book is more involved with your editor. Mm-hmm. And so this is her second book of having that more involved editor situation. Mm-hmm. That okay. makes sense? Yeah. So she's gotten the flow of it a bit better. Yeah. You know, they say for musicians, uh, it's kind of that hard thing where... Uh, you have a lifetime to write the first album and a year to write the second. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Like and books, a, too. Yeah. So, and then another year to write the third, and then you're kind of settled into the lifestyle a bit more. So, let's see. Mine. Oh, boy. I had a one written down oh here we go i was originally going to do um (laughs) the one where uh ron is talking over hermione and he's just off in his dream world talking about the candies um and i was also going to do the exposition where (laughs) like uh ron's like who do you think that guy is and hermione's like oh that's professor chair lupin he's like how do you know that and he's kind of like oh hermione the know-it-all and she's like it's it's on a suitcase. I observe the world, Ron. <laughs> I liked both of those moments, but for some reason, I just liked this little thing when the train comes to a stop on page 86. Um, they didn't talk much during the remainder of the journey. At long last, the train stopped at Hogsmeade Station, and there was a giant scramble to get outside. Owls hooted, cats meowed, and Neville's pet toad croaked loudly from under his hat. I don't know why, but why is he keeping a toad under his hat and and why does ron keep a rat in his pocket why are these children keeping creatures in their clothing i don't know but it cracks me up and it's just like Like, is hermione putting her cat in her hood like (laughs) probably she probably puts her hoodie on backwards so she can put it in his hood and talk to it while it's laying there and in my mind like when i see lists of three like that 
which is of course a very common thing always you know rule of thirds right but um she could have put anything for that third thing she could have said owls were whatever this was uh, and scabbers was getting real restless but no she's just like the toad in neville's hat and i'm like okay that's what you picked and it's just like it and it's again it's taking advantage of those little moments that she used to kind of like overwrite those or it just kind of seemed like oh you thought you were pretty clever there but now it just seems like she's just slipping them in a lot more naturally it's becoming closer to like scott adams level of writing where it's like this is just how he thinks he just thinks like this you know so i guess that's why i liked that quote it's not a particularly good quote it's just a little bit of insight into joanne's development (laughs) so anyway on to chapter six. Talons and tea leaves. Talons and tea leaves. Talons. Oh, oh, like the like the hippogriffs. Yeah. 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 Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the chapter synopsis for this one? Um, in this chapter, Harry receives a terrible omen in divinations, and Hermione is taking an impossible number of classes. And Hagrid's first lesson goes awry thanks to Malfoy's insults. Yeah. Malfoy. Malfoy. Guess what's coming to him? Malfoy. Malfoy yeah. gets a, a bloody end. <laughs> Thank goodness. That, that unfortunately is not an end. But um... hmm. Speaking of wishing bloody endings on people, I haven't seen Colin <laughs> Creevy yet in this book. Colin Creevy has not yet appeared. Wait, his, his exposition has not yet been needed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because... Uh, Quidditch hasn't started yet. <laughs> it was mentioned, though. They're like, oh, oh. They're like, oh, don't worry. Malfoy's real cocky now, but wait until the first Quidditch match. And I'm like, oh, And Harry's yeah. like, yeah, I creamed him last time. Yeah, 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 Quidditch. And I'm just like... Bravado, you bet. Just like, this stupid sport still exists. <sighs> Not cool, man. Sorry. I, I, I guess at a certain point, I just decided that Quidditch is just kind of a... Uh, it's great for kids. It's great for kids, man. And I liked it when I was younger and I thought about how cool it would be to play that type of sport and how fun it would be. But I look at it now and I'm just like, that's real dumb. <laughs> like this whole story, like the scoring system and how it somehow ties into house points for specific houses and all this stuff. I'm just like, no, this is, this is real dumb. I, um, I never was really a fan of Quidditch. Like it's, I'm more a fan of like Lee Jordan's commentary of Quidditch and stuff like that. But then when I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Mm. and rode a ride Mm. that put me in a Quidditch game for a short while, I was like, okay, I finally understand why this thing is cool. And it's because (laughs) this thing is fun. Yeah. I get it. And so now like I, I still don't think that I would watch it because I'm not a very good spectator yeah yeah but i can i can understand why it's enjoyable to play okay yeah no i could see that too but yeah i saw that i'm also not much of a jock though and i like never went to a college football game so of course i'm not gonna understand the competition yeah (laughs) like i'm not gonna understand the the need to find affirmation in winning it takes a specific personality type, and neither of us are particularly no. competitive no, at all. Not. Well, not in that realm of things, at least. But anyway, they brought up Quidditch. Um, hmm, what? Anyway, else? Uh, yeah. so they they've got like have a little breakfast situation where they have the elements 
of an English fry up. They have fried tomatoes and sausage. <laughs> you would for notice breakfast. this. Uh-huh. I, I remember reading stuff like this as a kid and being like, fried tomatoes? That, mm. you, that must be a typo. That must mean potatoes, right? It's like, no, it's it's fried Turns tomatoes, out. which is part of an English fry up. Um, which I've still like never really had for breakfast. But anyway, then they move on. They're like, oh, shoot. Like, we have divination first. That's all the way in the North Tower. That's going to take us 10 minutes to get there. <laughs> we better go now. And then they proceed to get lost because apparently Hogwarts doesn't believe in having maps for its students no no it's a lousy school for a lot of things like you you know the general direction but this place is a legitimate labyrinth yeah the staircases (laughs) literally move constantly it's 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 not it's it's a miracle if you actually make it to class and actually that's probably an argument for like hogwarts as a character is probably a significant educator for for these kids Mm -hmm, like you mm -hmm. learn about yourself and your soul (laughs) and the world and magic you realize that that magic can get in your way just as much as it can help you and uh yeah i do like ron's running he's like there's got to be a shortcut and i'm like yeah there's got to be a shortcut like i completely agree there has to be a shortcut (laughs) and there probably is one let's be honest they'll figure it out yeah, they're I, just it, it. It's sad that they haven't figured that out as third years, but yeah, eh, there's a lot. To they it. Are, it sounds like they haven't needed to go to the North Tower for classes before. Everybody else made it to class. I don't know what their excuse was. Well, okay, so so they like end up on this like dead end landing situation with um, a character whose name is pronounced differently in the films, but I've always performed Sir Cadigan. Hmm. Sure. Catagon? Catagon. How's it pronounced in the, I think. It in the films? Cadogan? Ooh, I don't like that. I think. Let's go with yours. I I like um in the musical Camelot. Mm-hmm. Guinevere sings a song about being basically young and free, and she sings to Sir Dinadin. <laughs> <laughs> and Sir Catagon. I like it. Has, has always been said similarly in my mind. Let's go with that. Um, so, Sir Cadigan, what, what's... Uh, I realized in this scene with, with this, like, mm-hmm. really uh, gruff knight that um, basically moving portraits are television. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. the fact that Harry is just fully entertained by these portraits is like you you grew up in a muggle household where there's a television like this shouldn't be that amazing to you yeah Eh, millennials and their screens you know it's all this screen time and now they're just on the walls everywhere but it is interesting but what's your um impression of this knight in a portrait Uh, i don't know it's fun thing it's uh, it's funny he's he's clumsy he's kind of a don quixote foil type I don't know what to say about him. It's yeah. funny. It's a it's a cute little way to get them from point A to point B. I and to show them how, show the reader how paintings can interact with people. Yeah, that it's essentially a bunch of kind of separated canvases, but there's kind of doors between them. Yeah, I I don't 
know. I don't know if I'm supposed to read into that or not. Um, don't don't have to read anything into it. I was just like, ah, this is a significant part of this chapter. Yeah. I feel like we can't ignore it. I thought it was funny. I feel like he should be able to get his sword out of the ground. Uh, you know, there's some... Um, he, he, he'll, he'll be able to figure that out. And the it, pony he can't even get on. <laughs> it is sort of entertaining how he, like, yeah. immediately is accusing the people who he sees. And, like, <laughs> he's just very skeptical yeah. of all people. And you, scurvy, I don't even know, scurvy something. He's a pirate. <laughs> yeah, it was it was yeah. pirate language, Kinda, but yeah. for a knight, which is sort of odd. He kind of reminds me of the, the Black Knight in... Um... Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes, <laughs> you know, because no matter Tis all these bad, flesh wound. yeah, all these bad things keep happening. He's like, yeah, no, I'm still good. <laughs> yeah, and you know. he does a complete 180 on his attitude toward them of like, you're you're terrible and you're in the wrong place and all this and ah, a quest. Yeah, it's like pulling out a tennis ball for an angry dog, where it's like, oh, oh, he's here to play. We're cool. Yeah. But mm. for a sort of spacey portrait. Mm-hmm. knows where he's going he does gets, he him there him there. The, gets him there yeah i have to wonder if he did the same thing for all the other students Ooh, there's an idea <sighs> i don't know i don't know maybe that's the shortcut you go to the night and he runs you around and i'm just amazed that with hermione in their group that she doesn't like have a handmade map of how to get everywhere yeah you'd think like she seems more resourceful than that <laughs> she's she's a little busy you know she has she's already done four other classes that day or like no just know how to get there like mm, mm. Maybe, maybe she's like really bad at directions could be <laughs> she has to hold her hands up every time that makes an l okay left that left. way <laughs> to the north uh i know several adults like that i, I love and respect them but they still right and left is hard uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh so divination class it sounds like this professor so we were talking in the pre-show this professor reads really well on the page mm-hmm. Th- those are your words no i won't steal those but we both agreed that neither of us would actually want her as a professor no no way i wouldn't even want to be in that classroom like no no incense heavy like i'd be sneezing the whole time probably and like drowsy like i don't like that feeling that harry's like sort of coming out of a fog when he leaves class yeah that does not seem like a good learning environment yeah i'd be the one by the window like (sighs) then again i'm probably the kind of person that professor trelawney would say you have no skills in this (laughs) like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're you are not you do not have the third eye. You are not a seer or whatever. She's not a fan of the Griffin Claws. Uh, um, well, there, there's uh, Parvati and Lavender, and she gives both of them tips of, like, don't, like, don't do this, and, like, you should be aware of this, and... They say Lavender's name, like, four times in this chapter, which leads me to think, like, oh, Lavender, I should really... They want me to remember that name. Okay, she matters. Remember that name. She's... They're the only three Gryffindor girls, Lavender, Parvati, and Hermione, in that year. Parvati's a a girl's name. That Mm -hmm. just clicked with me. Huh. That's a strange name. So, uh, I wanted to sort of rattle off Professor Trelawney's predictions that she... So, she's, like, in the middle of this, like, introduction to the class, and she sort of punctuates every, like syllabus level explanation of how things works with like 
Oh, also, like, you should beware a red-haired man moving on. And, like, (laughs) Uh gets very, um, sort of treads an interesting line between, like, run-of-the-mill class introduction and mystical sort of the the kind of garbage that you get when you go to like a palm reader or yeah, something yeah um it's very much a shtick yeah so i wanted to go through these and and part of me wants to sort of pay attention if any of these come true <laughs> i don't know if we'll see any payoff on any of them hmm. but yeah we yeah. did get the one where she predicted neville's gonna break a teacup mm. and you know, he's, oh, that was another one that um, she was like, N- what, after you break your cup, make sure to pick one of the blue ones. I'm rather partial to the pink. Yeah, yeah. And then she just gives him a dustpan <laughs> when, when it happens. And he's just like, uh. Um, so I wanted to just sort of make note of these and keep an eye out. And I don't know if we're going to get payoffs on any on any of them. But oh, we you might. know. Oh, you know. <laughs> I genuinely don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll help you keep track of it then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It. I think, again, this would have worked a lot better when I was the intended age for reading this book. Yeah. I've been like, yeah, oh, this is fun. This is kind of mystical. Ooh, incense. But like now, like you, it's just like, no, I'm kind of old. I have allergies. I'd just be like, this is not a conducive learning environment. I'm a non-traditional student. I I think um I read the syllabus. Trying to think. It was sort of interesting. She was like rattling off we'll be like we'll be through palmistry at this point, then we'll move on to tea or we'll start with tea leaves, mm-hmm. then we'll move on to palmistry, then second term will be um you know uh crystal balls but that's if we're done with fire omens and it's just like yeah it's all very uh it's just such a strange juxtaposition of like putting a schedule to reading the future yeah yeah (laughs) it's and you know there's a reason mcgonagall is so skeptical of it because like yeah at a certain point she's just reading the syllabus yeah we do this and then this and then this like any teacher with a lesson plan can be like, yeah, we should be at this point around this time. And then she added in the flourishes like, oh, except we'll have the flu for a month. And it's like, okay, that's definitely shaking it up. But like, yeah, for the most part, everything she did there could just be a shtick. It could just be, you know, Neville's the clumsy one, but he's going to break something. She probably has a sneak scope uh, <laughs> under everyone's chairs. She has a sneak scope and the ones that go off. She's like, ah, yes, I will say something here. Yes. Or she's totally legit. Who knows? I tend to side with McGonagall where I'm like, Neh. but at the end of the day, Harry did see the death omen. Like before it was in the tea leaves, he saw it in real life. So I think it's in the tea leaves. Do you think that's what he saw? Yeah, for sure. For sure, it's a death omen. Yeah, he saw a death omen. I don't. It, so that so that's what was in the alley. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Why not? <laughs> so if if Harry saw a death omen, is that is his death avoidable? See, I don't know what a death omen necessarily means. Um, I mean, we we hear anecdotes from a bunch of people. Ron says his uncle Billy saw a death omen, and he was dead by the end of the week. I think. I mean. 
death is near you, death is around you, death is... I mean, even like when the Dementor got in Harry's head or whatever, when the Dementor affected Harry's mind, Harry could hear like the essentially the sounds of massacre and kind of the sounds of the scene that Sirius Black was at, if not Voldemort. Probably Voldemort because him and Voldemort have that weird soul bond connection thingy where like Harry is kind of took a piece of Voldemort with him. So I think he's having flashbacks to that anyway. Um, so in a way, like Harry does kind of carry death with him and something about Sirius Black being around is, I mean, he is under threat. I think, I don't know. I think a death omen is fair. If, it, if the death omen does act as a warning, like, Hey, death is like looming. I think, yeah, that's fair. Death could be looming around Harry. There's someone trying to kill him. That's loose. I don't know. I, I, yeah, that that's like Hermione, who's like, "Ooh, you you have a great enemy," and Hermione is like, "Uh, duh." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's Harry Potter. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Obviously, the professor. I mean, the thing is, she went to you know four years of of whatever school. She 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 knows more than I do about the particular subject, but I'm kind of with Hermione on this one. Yeah, it's a death omen. Yeah, like yes and like <laughs> harry's life is pretty much always at risk it's a harry potter book that's kind of how it works like yeah it's probably a death omen it was in the tea leaves he has an enemy there's gonna be an attack <laughs> yep that's where it's going i love when when harry approaches buckbeak in hagrid's <laughs> class and provati's like harry remember your leaves <laughs> <laughs> that is so good that is like, so good oh honey mm. you're a true believer <laughs> i actually like did kind of laugh at that (laughs) i'm just like that's not i don't think she was talking about this i don't think the death omen was for this uh so anyway um just to rattle them off and listeners help us out if we miss them for whatever reason Mm -hmm. but if you see any of these let us know um professor trelawney tells parvati to beware the red-haired man uh then she says that in February that the class will be overcome with the flu and she'll lose her voice, which totally might be seasonal. That just might be a seasonal thing. Yeah, you just never know, do you? Um, and then she says by the end of the year, one will leave us forever. Oh, yeah. Which kind of sounds like death, but it's loose. It's phrased loosely enough that it could mean expulsion or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Um, and then she tells Lavender that... October 16th is when that thing she dreads will happen. And she trembled at the thought. Um, So I wonder what Lavender dreads. I don't know. (laughs) And then uh, she tells Neville his grandma is not well. And that Harry has a death omen. And that Neville will be late next week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I imagine the next week thing, probably not. I I imagine we don't go back to this class within a week. No, no, I don't think we'll find that one out yet. But I like, I forgot about that one because I think it seemed so implausible that we would see it again. But that's fair. um, If I missed any, let us know. And if you see them and we forget to talk about them as the story progresses, let us know. Mm. Because I want to see, I want to see how good of a seer Professor Trelawney is. Yeah. I was trying to think. I'm like, seer. There should be a way to say that easier. And then I'm like, oh, wait, seer. <laughs> yes. Seer. Seer. 
Seer. Anyway, language is fun. Words. Kids. Yeah. Words. Word struck. Word struck. <laughs> struck by words. Uh, that lavender thing. Have you watched Mr. Robot at all? I've watched a few episodes. I haven't watched all of it. Okay. Well, I will be loose around my description of this because it's kind of spoilery. At one point, the main character needs to have someone be distracted. That's as specific as I'll get. So he he gets he, he hacks and acts as their significant other and essentially says, I met the doctor, what we feared came true. That's like what he said. Like, I met the doctor, what we were what we were afraid of is it happened. And that was enough. Just that like one sentence and like everyone on his team is like, How did you know? Like how did you know that would get her distracted? And he's like, it's just kind of a stab in the dark, but like, it's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> like, you know, if people, you know, in their fifties or sixties, there's probably some health thing they're afraid of. And you know, like you can just be that general. And that's kind of what the lavender thing reminded me of where it's like that thing you're afraid of, it's going to happen this day. And I'm like, Oh, that reminds me so much of the scene where he's like, yeah, that thing we're afraid of, it happened. See, yeah. but he had a confirmation bias of, like, a thing happened, I think. Yeah. I'm not, if I'm understanding your anecdote, right? Whereas this saying, like, that thing you're dreading, here's the date. Yeah, which is different. That That's yeah. um, the sort of doubling down on, like, like that thing you're dreading, you, you're probably dreading something. You're a yeah. 13-year-old girl. Yeah, for sure. But I'm going to put a date. On when you're going to see it happen. Yeah, which is pretty specific. And it's pretty bold, I think. I think so. Eh, you know, and she seems confident. And and more power to her. She's been wrong about every single death omen, but who I, knows? Yeah, I do love they, they go to Professor McGonagall's class. And McGonagall even, like, transfigures into a cat. And no one applauds. And, <laughs> and she's, she's like, a little put out. And she's like, what... what is going on? Yeah, yeah. And they, they tell her that Harry's going to die. And she's like... <laughs> who like who is it this year yeah she's like, like who's gonna die this year <laughs> and, and i just yeah it's good i love it i would love to know who else professor trelawney predicted would die mm, mm-hmm. and see if any of those were true yeah like i assume none but you never know maybe she predicted deaths with no timeline one of you will die <laughs> one of you will see an untimely death and yeah I don't know. Trampled by an invisible horse. <sighs> That's one way you to go. Just couldn't see it coming. Just couldn't see it coming. Just, just, just got got mowed over. So, do you think the seer can see the invisible horse? <laughs> <laughs> no. But she can see so much. No, nah, they're a miserable invisible animal. <laughs> of all the things to make so invisible. Sad. Yeah. Uh, so that's not divination. Yeah, divination. Yeah, that's that's divination. divination. And then after that, onto Hagrid. Ba, 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 ba. Which okay. So, what's your impression of Hagrid as a teacher? He's so funny. He's so funny. I. <laughs> it's exactly what I expect from Hagrid as a teacher. No surprises. Uh, he he's funny. He doesn't. He plans. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he didn't even attach a note or anything in the in the book list saying, like, stroke its spine, <laughs> like, nothing. He has just made all these students just, like, suffer and find their own ways to seal their books and stuff. So he just, like, his 
he just assumes so much knowledge out of his students. I love how aggressive everyone was to him about that. And he's just so deflated of like, I thought they were funny. Yeah, he's like, it was a good <laughs> laugh, right? And yet, and, uh, and it's just, I can so see, like, sad Hagrid of like, I thought it was a really funny thing, and I was giving you all something to smile at, yeah, and none of you were happy. He's so well-intentioned. He's such a caring guy. I, like, my heart broke for Hagrid this chapter. Mm. I'm like, I... Especially drunk Hagrid. ...have not always loved you, but... I love you now. <laughs> like, yeah, Hagrid's a great. Um, yeah, he's good. He just, he kind of needs someone like with him being like, all right, let's think this through a little bit. <laughs> uh, at least for the first couple times. I think he'd be fine from then on. He's teachable. He is teachable. He's not, you know, totally incompetent. I mean, I would say I, I do like that he took a risk. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he was like, you know what? Someone somewhere is going to want me to teach these kids about flobber worms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But why not get them excited about this subject and give them something that I'm excited about that's strange that half of them won't have ever heard about? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's a little dangerous, but they won't hurt you. Yeah, they're they're so- good. They're, just respect them. You're fine. Yeah. Little did he know his first lesson was with Slytherins. Yeah. Though in my mind, like, there's all this talk, oh, is Hagrid going to get fired? Oh, and the, oh, they told all the governors and stuff. In my mind, like, you know, remember the Mandrakes? When mm-hmm. they're like, if you take off these earmuffs, bad things will happen. So it's like, I think if someone in that class were to be like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to take off my earmuffs, and then bad things happen and they got hurt, would the professor get fired for that? No. This is like the literal the exact same thing. These creatures are dangerous. If you do XYZ, the creature will hurt you. Don't do those things. And then the student does those things and they gets hurt. And it's like that's not hey. It's a natural consequence. That's what happens. You're fine, buddy. Like in my mind, if they do like if Hagrid's actually in trouble, I'm gonna be like, What? This whole thing, like, people are literally drinking potions that can kill them and like this kid got scratched by a bird and like it mm, mm, that'd be a that'd be pretty stupid in my mind i guess he is under scrutiny because he's a new teacher and he just got cleared and albus is really vouching for him well and the thing to remember is who is one of the school governors mr malfoy oh that's true oh that jerk that's that's the real crux of the problem is what elf was he that actor hmm I, I don't think he was in Lord of the Rings. Really? Have we been over this? Maybe during the movie episode? I don't I could have sworn so. he was one of the elves. He looks a lot like whatever his name is, who's the like husband of Galadriel. In the Hobbit movie? And then he fights the giant orc and he slams the mace down into the ice. Anyway... Good stuff. Good stuff. Fellowship of the Ring. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Like real canonical Lord of the Rings. Yes. (laughs) Anyway. Remember that time that the Hulk and and Superman Superman got into a fight? Superman threw the Hulk into the sun. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) It was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Wow, we're getting inside baseball here. Uh, Um, So, yeah, I just... 
I'll have I have to say, like, Care of Magical Creatures probably would not be my first choice of an elective. What? Sorry. Beekeeper here is like, what do you mean? Yeah, it would be your first choice. Oh, it would man. not be my first choice. I realized during this chapter that I think your Harry Potter character equivalent is Hagrid. Oh, okay. That's fine by me. Much loved by all. Great with animals. Pretty big blind spots. Likes animals. <laughs> Likes People animals. don't... Uh, Really care for. People love honeybees. What are you talking about? I also, okay, yeah, I like a lot of critters. You like a lot of critters that a lot of people don't like. Alyssa, I saw foxes in a foxhole. I saw baby foxes. That's really cool. Yeah, like babies. That's adorable. And I like poked my head towards the foxhole and I'm like, hey, little guys. And they were just looking at me and I'm like, hi. And they're like, we're wild animals. We will not interact with you. And I'm like, that's fair we're like we're not domesticated (laughs) back off clark and i'm just like all right you're like but i'm hagrid (laughs) we can be friends oh and then i saw coyote den too oh Uh -oh. man yeah yeah i'm getting around over there a bunch of baby cows i've been driving around the countryside helping (laughs) bees picking asparagus yeehaw Uh, montucky montana that asparagus is so good though anyway so, uh, Hagrid is a teacher. I was very impressed, actually. Like, if I were job. in that class, I would have, like, I would have been scared out of my mind. Mm-hmm. But, like, he was teaching them genuine skills that will help them probably later in the class of respect these creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you'll see cool things. Yeah. Take care of these creatures and they'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. They'll even invite you in. And, like, that, that I feel like is a real foundation laying skill. Yeah, totally. And and then he did it with with yeah. I mean, you have a lot of hippogriffs with a lot of kids. It's probably hard to monitor. Yeah, for but, sure. But like, if anyone can re- can gain control of a bunch of hippogriffs, it's probably Hagrid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. I was just real, I was real proud. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan over here. He's doing a good job. <laughs> There's this. There's this other podcast that I listen to. Sorry, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And somewhere along the line, one of the characters wrote into his character lore that he was like the the Lord of the Griffins or something like that, that he was really good with Griffins. But the dungeon master forgot about that. So he introduced a bunch of Griffins. <laughs> and the guy like waited a few episodes before he did anything about it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I command the Griffins to do this because I am a Griffin Lord. And the, and the Dungeon Master is like, what? what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's in my character sheet. And the Dungeon Master is like, no. <laughs> anyway, Dungeons and Dragons, so nerdy, but so funny. Sorry, if you're hating on nerdy stuff, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Tell <laughs> but uh, yeah, so hey, great teacher. Like you said, like he could have done the worms. Worms would have been safe. Nobody would have got hurt with worms. But like you said, it's just such a great way to get people inspired. And like, if you're going to drop the class, you're going to drop it after the first class. If that's not your thing, <laughs> drop. Just drop. Because if they'd started with the worms, they'd be like, okay, this is a little bit gross. This is a bit uncomfortable, but I can make it through it. But like, hippogriffs, nah, man. Like, either you get it. We're not you messing around it. over here. Yeah. Yeah. Either you want that or you don't. Oh, man, I'd be so all about that, though. I really, it, it just made me so happy because the end of Chamber of Secrets, Hagrid's at Azkaban. Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. Just... And we've seen now what the guards of Azkaban are like. Yeah. And so that's what he was surrounded by. And so to, like, 
give him this thing that's just like he's so elated Mm -hmm. and i'm just it's it's a i feel like it was a two books coming payoff of you know yeah we give him a dragon he can't keep the dragon (laughs) you raised a spider the spider had to go to the forest like now we're gonna actually like accuse you of bringing the spider back in even though you're an adult and it's still in the forest and send you to prison for it the spider is very successful (laughs) the spider is i mean really he has created quite a thing for himself yes um so yeah I really, I think this might be my favorite chapter so far of yeah. this book, and maybe of any of the books. I don't know. It's hmm. it's it's sitting pretty high up there for me. I really would never want to take either of these courses, but the descriptions, like the teachers, just jumped off the page. It sounds way better than like Professor Flitwick and stuff. Were interesting enough characters, but they this is the first time that the classes have actually been like, oh, I. I get the appeal of that. Mm-hmm. It's those fun, like upper level college classes where it's like, oh, this is why. Mm-hmm. This is why people come here. Not because of the boring stuff where you're turning a mouse into a button and vice versa, whatever. Uh, a, a snuff box? Yes. Mm, I remember something in you, Wendell. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, snuff box. Anyway. Yeah, it's like I was reading that and I'm like, woo, this is really a crazy school. But then it's like, oh, now I get it. There's like future telling and hippogriff writing and that's pretty cool. Oh, also we know the thing on the book cover. It's a hippogriff. hippogriff. I, f- I forget if I said that word at all or not. I don't know. You said that you knew it wasn't a hippogriff. <laughs> <laughs> Called <That> it. <laughs> I, d- I don't remember what a hippogriff is, but that's not it. <laughs> I'm so good at this guys <laughs> i i am just so good with my mythical creatures yeah that's so that's great. a that's a hippogriff in this canon i think uh, i was spoiled by like world of warcraft where there are hippogriffs or something else hmm. anyway that's my excuse sure <laughs> sure convenient uh so uh clark yeah sure. what's your favorite quote I think it was probably something hippogriff related, come to think of it. I did not write the page number down because I was distracted. Hippogriffy Jr. <laughs> Sounds like a NASCAR driver. It's it's a Ken Griffey Jr. was a baseball player. Oh, there we go. Hippogriffy Jr. <laughs> okay. Where's the hippogriff? Hmm. Oh, that's next chapter. Okay, I think, <laughs> yeah, so here we go. It's on page 116. Um, so a couple things here. Uh, well done, Harry, said Hagrid, ecstatic. Right, you can you can touch him, pat his beak, go on. And Harry says, feeling that a better reward would have been to back away. <laughs> Harry moved slowly towards the hippogriff and reached out towards him. He patted the beak several times, and the hippogriff closed its eyes lazily, as though enjoying it. <laughs> I I just love everything about this paragraph. For one, like, the better reward being moving away. <laughs> I did it. I can leave now. <laughs> yeah, right? That's, that's a great line. And then also, um, just when you pet any bird and they close their eyes like that, and you just kind of rub right above their beak between their nostrils... I just love that. And, and, and the fact that 
hippogriffs are just like the, you know, what a lion is to a cat, a hippogriff is to just your standard bird. <laughs> like he just like scratches right above his beak and he's just going to close his eyes and, you know, fluff his feathers and lean into it. I'm like, that is awesome. I want to pet one of these things so bad. <laughs> so, you or Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll take it. Uh, what's Hagrid's first name? Rubius. Rubius. Yes. yes. Sounds like a sandwich. I, yes. Yeah. Like mm. a Reuben. Mm. He so would be a Reuben of all the sandwiches. He really would be a Reuben. <laughs> Thousand Island dressing, the rye bread, that rough exterior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, what's your favorite quote? <laughs> um, I have two. Mm. Uh, we're going to start with page 105. Uh, and it's when Ron is reading Harry's tea leaves. And he says, right, you've got a crooked sort of cross. He consulted Unfogging the Future. <laughs> that means you're going to have trials and suffering. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's a thing that could be the sun. Hang on. That means great happiness. So you're going to suffer, but be very happy. <laughs> yep nailed it (laughs) and so much of this feels like that's what it's like to be in a class and to Mm -hmm. not have any clue what you're doing yeah yeah totally um (laughs) but also like it's just got the perfect like this is why you're friends with ron like just a little bit of snark and a lot of cluelessness and not a lot of patience Mm. for it like like sorry about that I did enjoy that. Yeah, he follows. He follows up with like, "You need your inner eye tested." If you ask me. <laughs> and... mm. Oh no! Wait, that was Harry. Yeah, Harry that said was that Harry. too. Ron. Yeah, very wrong with my favorite quote, um, okay. but I still love it. I love it so very much. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and then the next one is just two pages later at 107 when Hermione has like a. Mm, I don't think that looks like the Grim. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And I just imagine the most clipped tone from Professor Trelawney when she says, you'll forgive me for saying so, my dear, but I perceive very little aura around you, very little receptivity to the resonance Mm. of the future. Mm. And it's like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Clapbacks. You have no resonance. Like... (laughs) (laughs) So I I do love... uh, how we we see very clearly how touchy Professor Trelawney can be about hmm I am the authority and all you little thirteen year olds better not sass me because mm-hmm. I know the future. <laughs> but you don't control the future, so. But I know it. Yeah. Okay. And it is power. Knowledge is power. She. I wonder if she was a Ravenclaw. I wonder if the wizards have lotteries. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's the end. That's the end of this episode. Um, oh, we made it. If you have been enjoying Wordstruck, please give us a review on iTunes so others can find it. It Which helps us a lot. One of you just did. Yeah, do you want to read it? I don't have it open. Shoot, yeah. I can find it. it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's on my my Insta. We also, we have one one reviewer who 
regularly uh, goes back and sort of weighs in again and had like a great re-upped review like six months ago that said still listening and then again a couple weeks ago re-upped again um, who said that uh, still listening, a little disappointed that we're still with Harry Potter, thought it was going to be more than other things. So that I thought opened up an interesting question of you know, do you guys want to hear us talk about other books? Like we've we've considered it and just have stuck with Harry Potter so far and Mm -hmm. we're not married to finishing the series not like, married to harry we're, just, we are you know. not married to harry he is 13 that's not a good idea <laughs> um, so we we would be happy to finish it but we also would be happy to take some forays elsewhere or to even completely change course so if you would love to hear us read other books together let us know what, what you're interested in and we'll talk about it and consider it and maybe maybe even do it mm-hmm I don't know. It could be fun. I mean, there's the Dark Tower series. There's the Genie and the... Uh, there's all sorts of really good books out there. I would love American to read Gods. some John Green with you. Some John Green? I really would. I've never read John Green. So. Really? You've never read The Fault in Our Stars? No, never even seen the movies. Oh my gosh. I loaned it to your roommate. You didn't even read it. I feel so, so sad. <laughs> Uh, I still don't have the quote pulled up. Where is it? <laughs> I'm I'm filling for time. What do you want from <laughs> me, man? <laughs> I'm trying to find it. I can't see it on the Twitter. And Twitter search is a. Uh, mm. There yeah. we go. Okay, word struck. Tweets. This is how the pros do it. And slowly and tw- gracelessly. <laughs> Twitter internal error. <sighs> I don't know. Please hold. I have it. I was just filling for time. Okay. So we had we had a review from Gravity Sport. And that review... Now I'm filling for time still. <laughs> uh, we're so good at this. Tweets. It's almost like we've been doing this already for a year. Okay. So... Since I was in high school, says Gravity Sport, when the Deathly, ha- Deathly Hallows was published, I've wanted to recapture the magic of experiencing the Harry Potter universe for the first time. The Harry, uh, Experiencing the reactions and predictions of a first-time reader like Clark goes a long way toward accomplishing that goal. Clark sees the books through the eyes of a first-time reader, even if he approaches it with a little more incredulity than I did at the age of 10. That's fair, yeah. And Alyssa makes the perfect guide through the Harry Potter universe. Thanks. Excited to see where this podcast goes with future books and what happens with all of Clark's predictions. As am I, Gravity Sports. So thank you so much for taking the time to review it. That's Um, excellent. We would love to get more. We would love to share them with the world. We'll even fill for time in a just as awkward way. Mm. (laughs) Just Um, so you get yours. So um, if, if you feel so inclined, we would really greatly appreciate the feedback. And we'd love to hear if... Genuinely, if you are interested in hearing us do other books, we'd like to hear it because mm-hmm. we're like, I'd love this for this to be more of a conversation with you guys. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, you can conversate with us on Twitter or um, I'm at Clark Hodges. We also have at Wordstruck Pod and I'm at Alyssa Small. We're also on Instagram at Wordstruck Pod Pod and on facebook as wordstruck so um and i would love to start seeing a little more discussion on facebook so i'm gonna try to like create some discussion threads on facebook more Mm. regularly because it's kind of hard 
to have full like cohesive discussions on Twitter. Yeah. Um, even though that's kind of the social medium that we've been focusing on the most. So it's kind of where the listeners are right now. But, but I think part of that is because I neglect our Facebook. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Uh, please let us know what you think you would enjoy uh, talking about and how you would like those forums to uh, serve the conversation. So cool. thanks well, so much, guys. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye.